Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. Well, good morning, everyone. Please take your Bibles and open up to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3. Today we make the bridge from chapter 2 to chapter 3, and I've put together a little bit of an outline for us today. And so, ladies, um, if you got a seatbelt, you want to just buckle in a little bit because we're going to talk about wives today. We're going to move through 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And then next week, we'll begin to look at chapter 7 and the talk about husbands. Now, don't ask me why. I really tried to figure this out. I'm not quite sure. While Peter has been talking about submission, he's been talking about suffering, and then he moves into the marriage relationship. However you want to figure that out, I'm not quite sure. I've read multiple commentaries. They don't know either. Other than we know a little bit about what God does in the writing of the Scriptures is often he uses the personality of the writer through the work of the Holy Spirit. So I think very much in Peter type of personality, we see this. And maybe even Peter's mind, as he's speaking to the church, maybe there were some issues battling in the church that were going on. And so he addresses this because he talks about a couple of specific things. So maybe this was Peter's opportunity through his preaching in the church and to the letter to the churches that he wanted to address this issue. And sometimes this happens this way. Now, as we think about this and we think about then continuing in our series of 1 Peter, we can think about it this way a little bit about marriage, if you're aware of this, but a couple facts about marriage. Marriage in South Africa exists in a number of different forms as a result of the diversity of religions and cultures in the country. A man in South Africa may have more than one spouse, but a South African woman may only have how many? According to the law, that's what the law says. Historically, the legal definition of marriage derived from the Roman-Dutch law has limited monogamous relationships between opposite-sex couples. However, since 1998, the law has recognized marriages, including then polygamy, or having more than one wife, the law recognized that, conducted under African customary law. In 2006, South Africa became the fifth country in the world to allow same-sex marriages. And as of right now, South Africa is the only African country that permits that on this amazing, huge continent. South Africa is the only country that permits it. That says something. That says something to us. It says something about the culture. It says something about the way that we've gone about living in this country, that even in other African countries, it's not permitted. So when we address this topic, I think Peter has something very relevant that he wants us to say and understand and to go about this. So as we think about this, then the big picture that we're going to look at today is Pastor Wade's been keeping us focused on that. Submission is God's divine order for relationships. That's it. If you want to fall asleep or you want to focus on something else the rest of the day, don't go away missing this one point. Submissiveness is God's divine order for relationships. Let me just add this then. We are commanded as outsiders to follow those who lead us 
outside and within the home. So Peter's been talking about this and he's been lining that up. That's what Peter's been saying before he gets to this relationship for us to understand that as we consider it. As you think about divine order, what I want you to think about, because when we think about submission, I want you to think about submission in a vertical way, that between God and us, and then we'll think about submission in a horizontal way when we think about us towards others. Because Peter's been talking in the context, now he moves to relationships that are horizontal in a marriage relationship, but he's been talking about government, hasn't he? He's been talking about society. He's been talking about suffering and submission within that. You remember, if you just look up in your Bibles and just go up to chapter 2 and look at what he's been talking about, he's been speaking about submissiveness within the various cultures in which we function. However, and even according to what I just read, we need to understand that we live in a very narcissistic world and culture. Very narcissistic and I think very neurotic. And I, I mean those two words intentionally because narcissistic and narcissism says this. It says it's the pursuit of gratification from vanity or egotistic admiration of one's own, one's own attributes. So a narcissistic world is a world that says everything runs and wraps around me. That's the opposite of submissiveness. That's the opposite of God's divine order. Because even in our culture and in life today, if you, to, if you use the word submit or submission, people almost look at you like you just said a four-letter word or something. You know, they're like, you know, because we don't want to talk that way. We're very self-driven, self-motivated. I'm the, I'm the king of my own ship. I'm the captain of my own soul. Whatever that might look like. Submission doesn't look like that. And Peter's trying to, bring, to get that across to us that we would understand that in all that we do. And it's interesting, even when I get to premarital counseling, which I'm doing a, a, a couple, a young couple right now that's getting married next year, and we started their premarital counseling. And um, when you talk like this in front of them, even as in their case, I think very immature believers or, or really almost unchurched in a lot of ways, this is kind of shocking. And so even the way their parents or their mom might communicate to them is radically different than God's divine order for relationships. So in premarital counseling, we build a foundation built around God has a divine place and a divine order for relationships. And in marriage, it's crucial. And that's what we'll look at today. Because most marriages start out looking like this, right? They either look like this or they look like this. And there's this big wedding, there's this grand celebration, and here we go. Life begins, we're now married, and, and then you live together for a little while. Some of you just raise your eyebrows at me, and even if I could take a pull, maybe let's just do it real quick. Number of years even represented in this room of marriage. Okay, just shout it out, and guy, if you're not sure, just check with your spouse real quick, because I'm going to ask you, okay? I want to make sure we get this right. We got married in 1980. I was five years old, and we got married in, okay, that's, there, there you go, finally. Um, so we've been married for 37 years. It's easy, because 1980, you can add real quick. Um, how long have you guys been married? 19. 19? Did we get the same number? Okay. Here? 41. How many? 33? Too many. Too many. His wife isn't here to get the right number. 
weighed uh, like, I should know it, nine, almost ten. I know the ten-year celebration has already been talked about. Well, I babysit while you go away. I heard that, okay. What about back here? Not, do what? 52. Okay, I don't have a calculator. We're going to take time. If you add all those numbers up we just said, we're like, we're like a couple hundred years of marriage experience because sometimes what happens when things get out of divine order, it begins to look like this, right? So that happy marriage picture we have looks really cool and looks really good, and then this, and then sometimes it looks like this. <laughs> we just get tired and we just get bored. I don't know what the thing is, but... Peter's going to talk to us about wives today. So wives, uh, husbands, no elbows on the sides today. Okay, no nudging, and no nudging your husbands or breaking ribs today. But we're going to look at this and understand this. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a little bit of a platform for next week, but then talk specifically about this. Because when I do the premarital counseling, this is what I say. I'm telling you, this is so, so radical. People simply do not understand this. I'm going to give you three things, only three things that God asked men to do in the marriage relationship. And here they are. I think they're in your notes today. The first is to lead your wife. Okay, we're not going to unpack all these because I want to get to the wives from 1 Peter. The second that he wants you to do is he wants you to love your wife. And I've given you a scriptural text for both of those. You'll be familiar with this from our Who Are You series when we talked from Ephesians 5. And you can even go back and pick those up. And then the third that he says is you're to provide for your wife. It's a very godly thing to do that you would provide for your wife. And you can look at that First Timothy passage that speaks about that. Okay, on to the wives then. Only three things. Going to talk about a couple of them today. Here's the first one. You need to help your husband. The divine order for relationship goes back all the way to Genesis and the creation of man, the creation of woman. There's an incredible question that God tells Eve that she needs to ask her husband. And the question is this. Every wife should ask her husband this question. Honey, how can I help you? Like, do what? That is divine order. And when the wife begins to submit to her husband and ask her husband, how can I help you? I'm telling you, it is radical what happens in the marriage relationship. Second is this, to submit to your husband. We'll look at that today specifically. So the, the Ephesians 5.22, and then we're going to look at 1 Peter 3.1 today. And then the last and the third that I would say is to respect your husband. Everybody look at me, okay? Because I'm not going to speak about this a whole lot today. We're going to talk more about submission. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you want to crush a man's soul and his heart when you simply disrespect him. That's exactly what happens. He will cower up. He will hide. He will crawl in a hole or he will fight. That's how they've been made. And when you disrespect a man in a marriage relationship, outside of a marriage relationship, when you do that, when you do that, you need to understand what you have done because his, one of his greatest needs in how God has wired him is he desires respect. Divine order has wired him in such a way that that's what he desires. And God says that we're going to look at in this passage that that's one of the things that the woman is to do. Okay, so ladies, are you buckled in? Have I, have I whetted your appetite for this? 
Okay, so let's look at the first part of the passage then and look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. And we're going to talk about four ways to influence your husband, ladies. Four things to influence your husband. They're in your notes. Here's the first. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. And the first part of verse 1 is real important. Peter says, likewise, wives. Likewise, comma, pause for just a second. And look up at chapter 2. It could be that the therefore would be a common thing that Paul would often say here. Same, same idea. Likewise, meaning everything that I've just told you in chapter 2, now I want you to take those thoughts and I want you to apply them what I'm getting ready to tell you. So likewise, or we could say in the same way or in like manner. And it takes us back to that previous chapter where Peter's been talking about successful Christian living in two places, primarily society and in the workplace. And look up in your Bibles, just look up to chapter 2 and look at verse 13, because this is where he says it. He even, he, he got into it back there, he said, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. In chapter 2, verse 13, he's saying that because he's giving a command to relationship and divine order from which relationships will work. It's saying this true in the church. The people of the church are to follow those they put in leadership within the church. You're to follow your pastor. You're to follow your elders, even within the context of the church. Look at verse 21 of chapter 2. For to this you have been called, right? Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. Okay, so Christ's example to us that we might follow in his steps in the area of submissiveness. To summarize all that, we would say then, just as Jesus was like this in his relationship to the Father, are you with me now? Just as Jesus was to the Father in his submissiveness to the Father, I am to be submissive in these areas of relationship, and now specifically a wife to a husband. Read on in verse 1. Likewise, wives, here's the word, be subject to your own husbands. Okay, subject or submission is what we're talking about today. But don't miss the word own husband. Okay, wives, you're submissive only to your husband because you're only in one married relationship. God calls you to be submissive to your own husband. And every marriage relationship is a little bit different. Same premises, same foundation, but it's a little bit different sometimes on how we function in there. So this idea of subject or submission is really what Peter's using here as a military term. So this is why, this is why the, the world and society needs to stop getting unglued on submissiveness. Because what Peter is saying in, in the military term and how this language was originally used, it means to, to place under rank or to be under authority. So God's divine order within the home, within a marriage relationship, is i got to put somebody in a leadership position. Therefore, God has put the man way back in Genesis in that position. It's a hard place to be, men. It's a very difficult, hard, demanding place to, to be, but God has called you to that. And then he takes the beautiful wife and he puts her under, like in a military form, under that authority. Not authority, and I'll talk about this in a minute, not authority that's abusive and abrasive, but authority that comes up under you. I, I want him to lead me. 
I, I will have no trouble following a man who leads me. And sometimes marriage relationships are all messed up because the husband's not leading. And she's having a real difficult time following because we're not leading. And so that's the word that he uses here. And I'll remind you, it's a command. Okay? Be subject to your husband. Peter doesn't say, listen, I've been, I've been thinking about this. I've been observing marriage relationships. And um, this is a good idea. I think this will help you. It's not like that at all. This is an imperative or a command that we would do this. It's not optional. It's divine order on how the marriage relationship works. So wives, wannabe wives, whatever it might be, um, and it's not an isolated thought. Ephesians 5.22, Colossians 3.18, 1 Timothy 2.11, Titus 2.5, see me on any of those to help support what we're saying. So on with now the end of verse 1 of chapter 3. Likewise, wives... Be subject to your own husbands so that even if some don't obey the word. Now, there's really something that Peter's doing here, ladies, and I want you to pick it up. Wives, I want you to be submissive to your husbands even if your husbands aren't submissive to Christ. Divine order is they're submissive to Christ. Peter gets at something radical here. He says, ladies, listen to me. In this relationship, I want you to be everything I desire for you to be, whether he's that person or not. This is really important in a, in a marriage relationship where one is unsaved and the other is saved. And we'll look at that in the passage of Scripture. I'll try not to get ahead of myself. So let's look at this then, and let's talk about then submission, submission by design. Submission by design. In the application of this, God is into what he created. This is submission by design, and God is into what he's created. Um, it sounds radical, but it's really not. Because if you think about this, the one who created us, the one who designed marriage, says, okay, if I'm going to design you, since I've designed you, and I've created you, now I've brought you two together, and I've made you one, I want to just tell you, here's how it will best function and work. Here's what I want you to do. And so he gets this idea, ladies, look at, look at the rest of this verse. Likewise, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see you respectful, don't miss the word respectful in there, and pure conduct. So let's look at the second part. Submission is a winning approach. I don't know anybody who's married who doesn't want a really happy, successful marriage. Loving, graceful, built with mercy, built with fun, built with intimacy. All those things are part of the marriage relationship. And yet in here, Peter's making a, an amazing point. And I, ladies, I, th I, I, think, I think he's asking a lot of you personally. When you have to follow somebody who's not being submissive to God, that must be extremely, extremely difficult to do. So by God's grace, that which God has called me to do, I'll do because this is divine order. This is a divine message from God. Here's what will save you, and here's what will help you. Not save you in salvation. 
Here's what will save the marriage relationship. When you submit to them, and you submit to them without a word, and you submit to them in a loving way, what you're doing, in essence, what you're doing is you're submitting to God because God asked you to do that, whether they value that or not. Isn't it so good? Because what Peter does is he transfers the responsibility from, okay, I'm going to be submissive to you as my husband, but if you're acting in crazy, even being a jerk and not, not really leading me, I'm still going to respond and I'm still going to respect you because I trust this is from God and this is what God wants for my life. This is God's will for my life. And then Peter goes on the passage to say, actually, that's how you'll win him over. Sometimes wives pick up the latest marriage book they've read and it's this dreamy pie in the sky, how to have a great marriage and all that. And they lay it on his chair next to the television set and they just kind of put it there hoping that he's going to read it. I say don't do that. I say don't even bother doing that. Peter's suggesting you will win them over by your conduct. The way that you live will speak volumes of God's work in your life, and as a result, it will speak louder than the marriage book sitting in the lounge chair. That's what Peter's saying, that it'll be one. And so we can look at this then, that God is communicating a foolproof plan. Okay, ladies, if you don't have underlined verse one, that they may be one, W-O-N, like winning. This is God's winning way in a marriage relationship and that it works. You don't have to nag him. You don't want to push him away. If he doesn't want to come to church because he doesn't want to have anything to do with the church, you be consistent in your call to the church and allow God to use that in ways beyond how you could possibly imagine that it might work, that it might work. Well, let's look at number three then and consider number three. Submission is an internal matter. Look at verses three and four. Look at verses three and four. He goes on to say then, do not let your adorning be external. And he goes into some examples of what that looks like. The braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, verse four, but let your adoring be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle, quiet spirit, which is in God's sight, very precious, Peter says. So Peter takes the, the contrast of the two. The first part he looks at is the external things that women do to try to look pretty. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with looking pretty. Matter of fact, it's a great idea. There's no husband that wants their wives to, to walk around looking frumpy. <laughs> do you know what frumpy is? I mean, it's like, you know, my wife always says, Tom, never repeat that again publicly. The last time I did it, she's not in the room. So if the barn needs painting, paint the barn. Okay, and that sounds silly. It sounds like, but makeup is good. Makeup makes us look more attractive. It brightens us up. If makeup does it for you, then I say go to the body shop or go to the clicks, wherever you need to go, and get the makeup thing going. It's a good thing. Being attractive is positive. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying you can put that on and you can look the glamorous part, but what God's looking at is what's inside here. 
And I think in Peter's day, maybe this is why Peter did this. Maybe in the context of the church in which Peter was speaking, the wise were just like over the top with this kind of thing. And when we understand the Roman culture, if you go back and do some history and some study, I think that's exactly what was happening in the church. They were putting on this external outward appearance in a very Greek Roman world where that was a big part of who you were as a woman, is the way that you expressed yourself through that. So Peter looks around the church and says, hey, listen, ladies, you want to be beautiful? God sees you as beautiful from the inside out. So when he says, here's what I want you to do, that's why he talked about the way that you'll win them over is what comes from inside the heart. So when he says this at the end of verse 4, to be gentle and a quiet spirit, which in God's sight is, what's the word in your Bible? In God's sight, that kind of woman is what? What's it say at the end of verse 4? It's precious. I mean, when God says, hey, listen, take a note, this is precious. You're like, okay, what did he say? What was precious? Oh, ladies, a gentle, quiet spirit in God's sight is extremely, extremely precious. And I say as a male and as a pastor, it's attractive. Not attractive sexually. I'm not talking like that. It's attractive in a woman who's under control and a gentle spirit is absolutely one of the most beautiful things that happens in the context of the church. It's outstanding. I love it. The alternative to that, show me an abrasive, arrogant, forceful, dominant woman, and I just cower up. I'm like, somebody put that woman in a cage or something. I mean, I'm like, I just go nuts. I'm like, what didn't they do when you were being raised? Why are you acting like that? And it's contrary to God's divine order. It's contrary to how he wants the woman to act. So he says, here's how I want you to act. It's interesting, that word adorning, that external adorning, comes from the word cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S in the original Greek language, which is where we get our word cosmos or cosmetic. That's the translation of that word there. So the adorning isn't with cosmetics, it's with an outward adorning. Listen to Warren Wearsby, one of my favorite authors, the Christian wife with an unsaved husband might think that she must imitate the world if she's going to win her mate. But just the opposite is true. Glamour is artificial and external. True beauty is real and internal. Glamour is something a person can put on and take off, but true beauty is always present. Glamour is corruptible, it decays and it fades So the application then is God is concerned most about our hearts, the internal, not the externals. We're not to ignore the externals. They just don't get the greater amount of my time. Here's a good way to measure that. Sounds simple, but do I spend more time in front of the mirror or more time in my Bible? Now listen, looking in the mirror is a great idea. It's the last thing I do before I stand up before you. So I want to make sure I don't have anything hanging that's not supposed to be hanging or anything. You know, it's just like, okay, are we in the right place? But if I spend so much time on the external and I'm concerned about my own external appearance, my own vanity in a narcissistic world, then I've missed what it is that Christ has called me to.
God is concerned about values, not prices. And I think that comes up in my next slide there. Yeah, true beauty from the heart grows. This is the rest of Wearsby's um, quote. I got my slides mixed up there. True beauty from the heart grows more wonderful as the years pass. An older, godly woman is like the coolest thing on earth. It's just so adorable and so attractive. A Christian woman who cultivates the beauty of an inner person will not have to depend on cheap externals. God is concerned about values, not prices. Value, not prices. So Peter's making this clear to us. Let your beauty come from your heart, not from your favorite department store. Okay, there's a quote for you, Wade. You can tweet that. Let your beauty come from your heart, not from your favorite department store. That's what God desires for us. Let's move to the fourth and the last then. Here's the fourth. Four ways to influence your husband. Submission is what shows up externally. Externally. Look at verses 5 and 6, and then we're going to close there. For this is how the holy woman who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. Okay, listen. Okay, Peter, how do, how do women adorn themselves? You just told me about internal and external, right? Listen to what he says next. He gives the answer to the question. By submitting to their own husbands. I was like, this is it. Listen up. All the things he could have said. Fix a really nice meal. Make sure the house is clean. Um, do all the shopping. Um, get the car filled with petrol. I mean, you could think of a million things that Peter could have said, and he says, submit. And then he goes on in verse 6, ladies. You can study this on your own. We won't have time today. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Isn't that cool? Okay, ladies, I would not try this one. Okay, ladies, you know, or men, I wouldn't try this one. Hey, hey, sweetie, you need to do... You need to be like Sarah was to Abraham. And, and, and what was that that Sarah called Abraham? Oh, that's right. Lord. I, I would not try that one. And it's a lowercase L in there. Okay, it's not an uppercase L. It's a lowercase Lord. Sarah simply is an Old Testament model of inner beauty and character and modesty and submissiveness. She was holy and she was set apart by God. She obeyed her husband. You can look at that. If you want to go back and look at Genesis 18, particularly verse 12 is where I would go. Genesis 18 is a great place to go and to read more about that. She feared God is in the text there. Here's the application. God observes and rewards faithfulness. I think the reason he, Peter went back to the Old Testament and he refers to Sarah is because of Sarah and Abraham's relationship. And he says to us, you want to know about faithfulness? And you want to know about God's rewards? I chose this couple to build a nation. And I blessed them. And they had some flaws, right? We know their flaws. But Sarah, Sarah was submissive to Abraham. She was submissive to Abraham in the end. So let's close then, and let me do two, two things and then an illustration, okay? Let's talk about this. What submission, what's, what is the nature of biblical submission for the wife in a marriage? And this is a summary then. I'm going to give you, I think, three here on this. The first is this. The wife is to submit herself to her husband so as to please God. That's the ticket. 
That's what Peter's getting at. Um, Ladies, don't try to be faithful to God and please your husband because you know it's going to make him happy. That will be the result. But the greater desire for you to do that has to be that this will please God. And I want to be a God pleaser. Therefore, I will do this. Because, here's why I say this, because he will fail you. He will simply fail you. It just happens in a marriage relationship. That's why the couple is up there fighting. We're all going to get in a fight at some point about something. Second is this. Submission means the wife is to organize herself underneath her husband. That's the, the translation. To come underneath and allow your husband to lead you. That's the biblical context that Peter's talking about. Third is this. The wife's submission to her husband is an imperative command. This isn't a suggestion from Scripture. This is divine order for a successful, happy, long-term marriage relationship. So back when I told you back at the beginning when I said, husbands do these three things, wives do these three things, in premarital counseling, I, I tell our couples this. If you do that, if you do that, I guarantee under the authority of scriptures that 95% of your marital problems will be solved by doing those three things. 95, I don't know why I don't say 99%, because maybe there's something in there that's just messed up. (laughs) It works. It makes sense it works because God created it. So what submission is not is just as important. Here's what we say about that. It does not mean that wives should never express their opinions and feelings. Men, it doesn't mean when they're submissive to us that you don't listen to their counsel, you don't listen to their advice. Follow what God is teaching them because God wants to use them in your life. It does not mean that a wife should indulge in sin because her husband demands it. Preparing to speak to a group of of international leaders in January, and I've been asked to speak on the topic of pornography to these men and these women, all right? Now, if your husband is involved in pornography and desires for you to be involved in pornography, don't do it. It's a sin and it's wrong. Submissiveness does not mean that you sin because he wants you to do something. That's not what submissiveness is. Third is this. It does not mean that a wife must subject herself to physical or psychological abuse that is beyond her ability to bear. She must get help if she cannot bear it alone. Being submissive doesn't mean that the husband has the right to hit a woman. That's, that's, that's a crime. That's a crime. Call the police. It's wrong. That's not what submissiveness is. And fourth is this. It in no way suggests a lesser value of personhood but has to do with function, okay? We'll, we'll talk about this next week, or Pastor Wade will. It's, it's co-equals in value with God. It's just divine order puts me under his leadership. So look at it as function, not value, not worth, but function. Closing application looks like this, then we're going to pray. Okay. What has, look at these, this is, this is a ruler. What do you use a ruler for? Just talk to me, it's okay, we're almost done. What, is it, what do you use a ruler for? To measure. To measure things with, right? Okay, and this is a, um, a thing of uh, tape, a little, whatever you call this, tape, right? 
Okay, and we, we know what tape is used for. Let me ask you a question. Which one has more value? Does the tape have more value or does the ruler have more value? Well, all right, think about this one then. This is a pair of scissors, and a pair of scissors do what? Cut things, right? This is the biggest marker in the whole world, right? And it's a marker. What do you do with a marker? Okay. Which one has more value? The scissors or the marker that you can use to, to write things on? Okay, you know where I'm going, and Peter actually said it. It, it matters because of function, not because of value. This is great for writing things on a board. If I tried to use this to cut something, it wouldn't work, would it? It's not designed to cut something. If I wanted to write something on the board, I suggest not using a pair of scissors. Okay, the application illustration is this. In a marriage relationship, it's not about value. It's about function. It's about function. Wives... Submit to your husbands. It's a godly thing to do. It's the right thing to do. It's God's divine order for relationships. I started out with that, and that's the big picture that Pastor Wade wanted me to communicate today. Submission is God's divine order for relationships. It works. And it makes sense that it would work because God's the one designed it to work that way. Thanks for listening, and remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.